0: Uh, When you start making money in this business, it comes fast and it's cash,
1: right? Crazy, yeah. So you're
0: getting cash, no taxes are taken out. You're starting to get checks for 30 grand, 80 grand, 90 grand, you go from nothing to money really quickly.
1: So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market? especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Real Estate rock stars! This is Aaron Muchastegui. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I get to interview Stan Ponty. So Stan is out in New York City. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. New York has been all over in the news this year. I was just looking at his website, saw this giant listing I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later. It is a different world out there in New York. Stan, thanks for joining us.
0: Hey, Aaron. Thank you so much. Love the show, by the way. I love the idea of Rockstar. It's all about that. You got you to live it inside. Uh, to have it come outside. You got to live it.
1: You got to live it. I love that. Yes. The, you got to be a real estate rock star. The real estate is such a unique, unique thing out there. There is no ceiling, right? There is no ceiling to what you can do and you want to be the best at everything you can do. So thanks. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for coming on and being, being a fan. When, uh, when did you get into real estate?
0: Yeah, I started in real estate. It uh, was my 22nd year I was a starving actor in uh, New York City, uh, living off of slices of pizza on McDougal Street. And uh, my buddy went into real estate before me uh, and took me to dinner one night, like got me this steak dinner with wine and shrimp cocktail, all this stuff. I'm like, where's he getting this money? And at the end of dinner, he's like, man, I got my real estate license and I'm killing it. And I'm like, you did what? He didn't even tell me. And literally, I was up at six in the morning at the real estate school that morning and two and a half weeks later, rented my first apartment and never looked back. That was 1999 or so? It 2000. was. And that first apartment was a basement apartment next to a water heater for an NYU student for $800.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. I think agents, not all agents realize that leasing is a way to make money in real estate. Right, that's like helping people, especially college students, helping them negotiate their leases. I uh, interviewed a guy named Andres the uh, six months ago, and he talked about that his first year or two focused on just helping college students negotiate their leases. And you got to start somewhere, and if it's Absolutely. starting with that little lease and the and look at you now, right? As you get to do that transition, someone would say, "Hey, hey, Stan, how do you get?" to be luxury real estate and those high-end stuff? And you're, and was, is the answer more than just 22 years?
0: Yeah, you know, I think what it what it honestly is, is going with no fear at every single opportunity. So, you know, when I was renting apartments and really scrounging, it was hard. Like that's a tough, tough business. I'd be sitting in the office on like Memorial Day, hoping mm-hmm. someone would call to do a rental and I'd be the only one sitting in the office. Um, and one night I went to a party and I met a pretty big movie star. I guess I won't say his name maybe, or maybe I will as with the story, his assistant. And she's telling me how he's going to buy this big loft in Tribeca, five, six million bucks. I'm like, really? Well, do you think I could work with him? Of course, never sold anything. I don't know anything. Right. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, sure. You know, leaves. So the next day I call her, I'm like, so can you hook me up? Can we do it? And she just kind of gave me the cool shoulder at this point. The next day, uh, I sent a bunch of flowers to her office with a nice note saying, "You know, is there any way you could introduce me?" His name was Ed Burns. He's still he's still a great guy. Yeah, and at any rate. So nothing, right? So the next day, I remember she'd said that she loves brunch from Balthazar, which is this great restaurant downtown in New York. So I go, go there, I buy a $250 gift certificate, and I put it in an envelope, and I send it to her office saying, brunch is on me, pretty please introduce me. And my phone rings, and it's her, and it's Ed Burns, and he's laughing. He's like, who the hell are you? I'm like, yeah. uh, my name is Stan Ponte, and I can help you get a loft downtown he's like, okay, well, I'll meet you Friday, 10 a.m. Uh, you'll have a car, right? And I'm like, yep. So first of all, I have no suit that fits me at this moment. Mm-hmm. I've never rented a car for a day. I don't know how to do that. And I had no access to listings. So from that Tuesday to that Friday, I had to get us in to a group of listings. I had to figure out how to get a, a car and driver, a good one. And I had to go buy a suit. Did it all. Met him on Friday. It's, the shorter version of this story is we had an amazing three days out looking at property, and then he bought something without me that was an exclusive of the very company I work for now, Sotheby's. So it does come full circle. But that's an example. Like I, I just wouldn't take no for an answer. I knew I could get through that door. I just had to keep banging on it and buying gifts certificates and get some flowers.
1: There's so many parts of that story that are worth unpacking. The um, you know, giftology is a brand out there. A friend of mine, John Ruland, uh, wrote wrote the book called Giftology. But his his kind of whole business is that is figuring out how to get your foot in the door with people by listening and giving those gifts. Some people would say, "Oh, you got to you were so lucky that you were next to that girl at a party, right? Oh, you we bumped into her." But that was like such a small part of that. Like we see opportunities all over the place. We meet somebody that knows somebody, we meet somebody there, we get this contact, but if we don't work toward it, like yeah. if all you had done is send the first thing or all you'd done is sent the flowers, the I'm sure it gets to that other one where she's telling telling Edge, telling her boss, she's like, oh my God, this guy just sent me 250 bucks now. Like at that point, she's like, I'm feeling bad now. Like what, whatever the version is, yeah, yeah. like yeah. when he, when she, they call and he's laughing with her, he's like, cool, you're going to work this yeah. hard. Let's go give it a try. And I love that idea. I mean, the only part of the story that stinks is the, he didn't end up buying a deal with you because you did all this investing into yourself and making it happen. But what else did you, did you learn in that (laughs) transaction?
0: You know, I learned a lot in that transaction. I think the number one thing I learned was when I learned that he wasn't going to buy it from me, I was right back at my desk that very next morning back to work. And then God came in and gave me just a little moment. And, uh, When I was out showing Ed Burns, of course, people are like, who are you, first of all? There's no Stan Ponte. There's no person named Stan Ponte in New York real estate. And I've got a movie star and a stretch limousine, and I'm dressed in a nice Armani suit, looking good. And so I got a call from the owner of a very high-end white glove firm, um, literally two or three days after this. And she said, now, I've never heard of you, um, but my brokers have met you with this movie star, I'd like you to come and meet with us. So I go for an interview. And the next thing you know, I was hired into one of the most luxury, uh, high end firms in the city. Uh, and the owner of that firm, Elizabeth Stribling, uh, became a mentor uh, to me. So each of these steps, you know, they they start to piece together. But the through line is: you got to get up in the morning. You got to remind yourself that it's another great day, and you just can't let anything get you down because this business is tough. This is a tough business. My phone is sitting right here. Any minute, I could lose four deals. Yeah. But you know what? Any minute, I could get four new deals. And I choose to live in that world, not in the down world.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, that growth mindset. We, we've gone, I mean, you lived in New York. You became an agent in New York in 1999. You have okay. been through some crazy ups and downs, especially New York City, thinking about, yeah. like, I think about September 11th. I think about housing crash. I think about COVID. Like, wow, you have seen some stuff. Yeah. And it's really easy. We get these, there's two different mindset opportunities. Uh, somebody called me today and they said, Hey, I bought a new car and I'm nervous about it. I'm having this worry that it's too expensive of a car payment. And I'm trying, and I'm telling them, well, there's two different mindsets. When things go bad, we have this mindset or this idea of we should be careful for later. Or, you know, you don't want to add a bunch of bills right now if it's not going to go, but there's this other mindset that says you're going to keep growing your business. And next month you'll be making more, you know, than this month. You're always one deal away or the next deal away. And you could think about, Everything, just like you said, positive or negative, that growth mindset yeah. uh, or not.
0: And you want to know whether the car is an ego stroke only inwardly or whether that car is something you're going to be driving clients around in too. So you're getting some value, right? Because certainly, you know, having, having started in this business, broke, right? Broke. Yeah. Living on someone's couch in New York City. It's not fun. Uh, when you start making money in this business, it comes fast. And it's cash,
1: right? Crazy. So you're
0: getting cash. No taxes are taken out. You're starting to get checks for 30 grand, 80 grand, 90 grand. You go from nothing to money really quickly. And if there's one thing I would say to anyone who's starting out in this business, especially if you're starting from the bottom, is get really smart about money early. Pay those taxes quarterly. Get your head on straight with cash flow. Because you know what? A check for 50 grand is... 30 grand on a good day. And if you spend 50, you're 20 grand in the hole. And believe me, I've been there and it is no fun, no fun. So if you can uh, get smart with your money early, you'll do a lot better
1: in this business real estate rockstars this is aaron Staggy for a quick commercial break so during 2020 and 2021 the real estate market completely changed there's so much competition in the market so many people trying to buy and sell houses but there's hardly any supply hardly any product hardly anyone willing to list their homes it's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their pro- their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I wanna sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for $220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day, and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents. It's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. Yeah, there is so much cash that can come so quick at the beginning. And yeah. then it's very common, end of the first year, I get a lot of phone calls from people saying, I have this huge tax bill. Yeah. Like I had no idea. They ask and they say, Hey, Aaron, how do you keep track of stuff as as this the small business stuff? And I try to tell them because along the way, they're like, when they first start, they get this check. Maybe it goes into a personal account. They know they can expense some stuff. And it's always like, no, getting that. That one bank account where you put all your commissions in, where all your expenses come out of, so you can actually see your your business P&L as it's going, um, because then you're seeing what all, you know, essentially what your tax bill is going to be out of that. But yeah, it, it can be dangerous. Anytime money comes fast in any industry in the world, if money comes fast, the... It's, it's like you, knowing your financial senses is going to be so important. So,
0: and also your, your psychological sense, right? I mean, you can't be on cloud nine the day you get a check for 80 grand. And mm-hmm. then because you don't get a check for 90 days or 120 days, your cloud nine starts to descend to the basement because now you're working for money. You yeah. got to. I was a waiter before all of this, and I remember working at this restaurant in Little Italy, SPQR, and it was like my second week there. And this guy handed me a hundred bucks for nothing, and I was on fire that night. The restaurant was packed. I was the waiter of the century, and we made all these tips. And you know, I worked for like a head waiter. It's like, wow, you are amazing. I'm like, yeah, that guy gave me a hundred. Anyway, night two, right? Now I do a big table, right? One of those where it's like cappuccinos and espressos, and then they return seven things and the whole thing, and they stiffed me, stiffed, zero tip. So for that night, I am moping around this restaurant. We sit down at the end of the night, did just as many people, just as much money came through the restaurant, and the head waiter's like, what happened? I'm like, yeah, they stiffed me. He's like, listen, you got to come in here every day and work. You can't work for tips. And I say, you can't work for commissions. You've got to do your job to the best of your ability as a real estate broker representing your client. The money follows. I promise. I've lived it. The money follows. If the money leads, it's just, it's very hard to keep it going. Very hard to keep it going. At least it was for me.
1: It's very hard to keep it, uh, keep positive, right? The, uh, I remember my, my, my brother, his very first open house, he ends up, it was a, It was a house that I owned. My wife was a real estate agent on it. He did an open house for a very first one. He just gets started, represents a buyer on it. Somebody says, I want to buy this house. He gets to represent them. And so his very first time he's doing an open house, he's like, I just made eight grand. And again, from zero to, to something. And then- the next twenty open houses, nothing happens. But you're right. Like the open house mentality with real estate, so much of it is the long game, and so much of it is with those first checks too. Going, this is going to take care of me for the next few months, or this is going to pay for that marketing campaign, or this is going to do, you know, some of the next stuff. So, how many transactions are you do in a year in New York?
0: Yeah, so I do between twenty and twenty five. Last year was twenty three. This year we've got twenty two booked. Looks like we'll close another three or
1: four before the end of the year. And then, what's your uh, average sales price out there?
0: Uh, so last year, it was a little high at a couple of big hits. So we've reached uh nine point, what was last year's, last year's average sales price, 6.75 million. Wow. Uh, this year's average sales price, 3.5 million. So a little, and that's really where I live in that mid threes, because that means you're hitting a 10, 15, 20, and then you're doing one to 5 million, which is where the cat, you know, where the business is, at least for me. I've always found uh, that if you can keep all of the price points moving, you're a little less a victim of the market because in New York City, we don't do what Miami does, up 100%, down 50%, up 100%. What happens is certain subsectors of the market just screech to a halt. And you'll talk to a broker who you know specializes in two or three blocks and a certain price point, and they've got no business. And because I had to... Not just do this job, but I had to support myself and create a living out of the job. I just couldn't imagine that I would go for six months with no deals. So I made sure that my business was broad-based, both in price point, in neighborhood, and in type of property. And that's, that served me pretty well.
1: Yeah, how long were you doing the essentially the, the entry level rental college leases? How long were you doing that market? Yeah, that, before that was you had one that. One year.
0: That was one year. So one year of basement rentals, uh, one year of losing the movie star deal, uh, all in that year. And then I moved uh, to this white glove firm. And luckily enough, and and this all sort of ties together again, that firm had the opportunity to rent out part of a luxury tower of condominiums. They turned the top part of the building into condominiums, but because the location, which was near. World Trade Center on Chambers Street in New York, because that location wasn't used to as much luxury product, they took the middle part of the building, 48 apartments, and decided to rent them first with two-year leases and then sell them so that they could first sell the top of the tower. So very smart strategy, to your point with 9-11, Two months before we were going on the market 9-11 happened and Chambers Street was where they put the barricade. You couldn't go south of Chambers Street for uh, I don't, I don't want to remember and guess wrong, but months. Yeah. Right. Months. Then slowly we could, and then there were questions around, and there's still questions around the air quality at that time, right? Potential contagions in the air. So I ended up renting all 48 of those apartments. And selling all 48 of those apartments. And that was really my big, my big moment, right? Because my name was on 96 listings over two and a half to three years. And it was a hot market when the market came back. That 2003 to 2005 was hot, hot, hot in New York. We had recovered from 9-11 and we were, I'm sorry, I'm. I'm yes, 2003 to 2005, yeah. hot. I mean that was when you did an open house in New York for a five million dollar apartment. You had three bids in
1: two hours. It was great. As people <laughs> run and run in and out. Great. I I absolutely love your story. I love your story of just getting into real estate and then taking the big bet and really going for it to be able to show. It's so funny the story of getting to do the limo in the nice suit and do the showings. What it really did was put your name out there to then go yeah. to this the, this other, you know, the luxury stuff. And then so essentially you've been luxury ever since. And okay. if somebody says like, how do they get in there? Your story of how you got in there was was so great. And um, so now. You've been doing it for 22 years. Yeah. You've got a, a big name out there. Do you do yeah. most, do you do only listings, mostly listings? Do you represent both sides?
0: I, yeah, I try to do, I try to follow the market and pivot a little. So when it's a seller's market, we try to get to 60, 65% exclusives. 35% buyers and then flip it when it's a buyer's market. When when it's hard to represent properties and the the gold is on the buyer, controlling the buyer, then I put as much energy there. And I've seen those numbers move somewhere in that range. So I think we can use 60-40. We went back in preparation for your show uh, yeah. to make sure I was clear on it and it looked like about a 60-40 split. But it was it was intentional only inside. I don't think I was watching those numbers in live time. I just knew it was a buyer's market. So when it was an overpriced listing, I'm like, mm, you know, if we price it correctly, I'll take it. Uh, whereas in a seller's market, eh, overprice it, we'll sell it eventually, right? So pivoting with the market, especially in Manhattan, is so important because Manhattan buyers are very conscious of. Uh, what other people are doing. right? If the New York Times says the market's up, guess what? Whether the market was up before that article or not, the market will be up the next day because yeah. everyone believes the market's up. So then the market's up. Right? If you go to dinner and you are going to buy an apartment in Manhattan and two people at dinner tell you, ah, oh, it's a terrible time to buy, they will call me the next morning and say, hmm, you know, we're going to hold off. <laughs> Whereas if you go to dinner and say, I'm going to buy an apartment, people are like, wow, great. Yeah, I heard the market's on fire. You're getting something great, you're getting a value, then the market flies. So it's very much a herd mentality here in New York City. People want to do what other people are doing and are hesitant to buck, uh, buck the trend.
1: Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Bucistegi, and I'm interrupting myself. To bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors and I know I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors but this is one that I'm actually super super excited with you know so many of the realtors that we interview on the show they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important and I'm really really excited about our new sponsor there's somebody I've been looking at for a long time and when they reached out to me I said yes we have to be able to do this deal so that sponsor is follow-up boss you know on an interview last week with agent Mark McGuire I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was and he said it was follow-up boss and then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why follow-up boss was the best CRM he uses so there's a lot of superstars out out there that use follow-up boss some of the stats they gave me robert slack 1.5 billion team in florida number one in the u.s he uses follow-up boss to get a 400 percent roi on its massive paid lead spend deborah beagle co-owner of the ashton group in nashville uses follow-up boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days that's a big guarantee for new agents Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses follow up boss to automate everything. So his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right. So here's an offer. You guys are going to get this special for being real estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used follow-up boss. We've actually used it in our non real estate businesses as well, because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. And what do, what do you know? Best name ever follow-up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial and check it out. Especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet, this will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. Yeah, I can only imagine. I like your idea of kind of hedging your bet of going to that, you know, 60, 40. Sometimes it's more buyers, sometimes it's more sellers, also with right. price points. You're like, hey, I'll do, I'll do a whole range of them. I don't want to say I'm only above five million because there might be a time when it's the three to five millions that are selling, and you don't want to lock yourself into three to five because there's a yeah. time. And it in some of these really, really high-end properties, when you're at like yeah. a 10, a 15, a, a 20 million dollar property. Yeah. The number of buyers, like your prospecting pool, really gets pretty small, I imagine. That's where you see the advertisements, or there's some price point, right? That where there's, it gets pretty small. It's where we start to see these like nation, nationwide advertising. Like you'll see an advertisement out in, in Hawaii that has, here's our luxury lofts in, in New York. Right. Is there is there, a like I guess a, a strategy or an I. I is there a number out there that you guys know? Like, once it gets above this price point, there's you know 200 possible buyers of this or 500. Yeah. Do you look at stuff that way? Um, yeah, I think
0: uh, New Yorkers, uh, New York real estate market is kind of coalesced around the four million mark. As being over 4 million, there's something special about this buyer base. In fact, there's a couple of reports that track it weekly. So if you want to get into the weeds with New York City real estate, uh, there's a great report called the Olshan, O-L-S-H-A-N report. And that's every contract signed the preceding week over 4 million. And because that then gets run in other uh, publications and online um, uh, uh, websites and you know, gets talked about, I think that's a good number to use. But I think the numbers you were using are the numbers I would use more, which is when you pass that $10 million threshold, the, the air gets thinner. There are fewer people that are looking at that price point, and you've got to be really, really creative about where that buyer is going to come from, both in your own personal marketing and in your targeted reach to your circle of influence and the people that you talk to in general about the property. So um, I, I would use 10 million and over if we want to talk about rarefied air, but over 4 million would be what most people think of as luxury market in New York today.
1: So let's quickly talk about some of the ups and downs in New York over the last 20 years. So, I, le- Do
0: you mind, Aaron, just, can I just add one thing? Because I, I heard what you said about how good it was uh, uh, in, uh, in our discussion that uh, maybe I wasn't always focused in one neighborhood or in one price point, right? that I was flexible. But you know what? Every once in a while, I, I lose out because of that. Because some people will pitch that level of expertise in a building or in a price point. And I think with like with all business decisions, you've got to commit to your business decision and commit to your plan and then assess it at quarters. Every quarter, we do a big business meeting. And at the end of the year, we do a big business meeting. Um, You can't let those short term, oh my God, I just lost this pitch because I had, you know, the client saw that I was representing some properties for 1 million and it's a $28 million property that's okay because I've got other $28 million properties and I'll get others. You can't win everyone every day. And if you let those negatives affect your business plan decisions in real time, then you don't have a business plan. What you have is a reactionary gut feeling of what to do. And a lot of real estate brokers live in their reactionary gut. And those are the people that you've got to scrape up off the floor or you know really start to lose it eventually yeah not that i haven't lost it already i'm but i think you know, i'm holding on still holding
1: yeah. on yeah it's such a great point though because because real estate can deal with such high dollars right like high dollars in listings and commissions and things like that it's really easy to have it be reactionary it's really easy to say I just lost that deal. I should have told him whatever he wanted or or maybe I should have just focused in that. And I've had people come on the show and say they only focus in certain in certain niches. And that helps them. I've had some people say, yeah. I only do this zip code because I want to be this zip code expert. And if someone wants me to drive 15 minutes, I don't think I can do it. And then and and I like your philosophy too as a different philosophy, but remembering reminding everybody, whichever strategy you choose, you know, don't react on it in the moment, react on it once a quarter and see did it work yeah. out more often than not
0: yeah absolutely I mean it's it's a business, and the more you can take from business classes right the more you can or surround your pe- yourself with people with business experience and education, the better. Um, this is a serious, serious business if you want to you know get to seven figures a year of income consistently. that's yeah. tough even if it's even if it's over five hundred or over two fifty, whatever your personal goal is to get to it. And stay is hard. And it requires a real business acumen. You've got to look at it that way. Otherwise, I I mean, listen, I do know real estate brokers who literally are flying by the seat of their pants. But, you know, listen, God has given them an invisible jet. So good for them. God gave me an apartment next to a water heater. He didn't give me an invisible jet. So I started with my, you know, apartment next to the water heater
1: the the invisible jet (laughs) saying well and i think and i'm rethinking my last question i'm going to go back to that no no the i'm I'm changing my question a little bit you put together for for our toolbox right so for listeners that are out there listening if you go to hybendigital.com you can sign up to get free access to the toolbox everybody we interview puts stuff in there that's stuff that is actionable content for you to use. And Stan had just mentioned his center of influence again, and kind of some yeah. of the, the process. And, and part of your handout, Stan, talks about that. It talks about assessing your center of influence. Just talk about that a little bit. What is this, what, does, what is center of influence? What does that mean?
0: Yeah. So essentially, you're, when you're coming into this business, you've got to take, they used to call it your Rolodex. but No one even knows what a Rolodex is anymore. It's who do you know? Literally, from the moment you're born, Who do you personally know? And then you've got to think of which one of those people, first and easiest, is going to buy, sell, or lease real estate today. And then you call those people right away and make sure you're in front of them. Then you've got to decide which one of those people knows someone who is going to buy, sell, or lease real estate today. And you've got to add those names. Then you've got to figure out who may not know someone today. But they will definitely buy seller lease in the future, or they know people who will. This isn't your, you know, great aunt Eunice, who's living, you know, in Dartmouth, Massachusetts, where I grew up, who's a retired teacher. That's not who this is, because she isn't going to know anyone who's coming to New York City. Yep. But my aunt who lives in California, who all of her friends' kids are working in New York City, does know people. So it's, it's hard because sometimes people think, well, I'm going to you know, take all my friends out and make them my ambassadors to grow my business. You've got to sort of make some hard decisions about friends and obviously keeping your friends and spending time with them, but focusing hard on who is not only going to do business with you, but who I call can be a cheerleader for you. Who's going to be out at dinner and someone's going to to literally hear someone at the table next to them saying, yeah, we're in New York to buy an apartment. I want my circle of influence to literally look over and say, well, if you don't have a broker, I know, you know, in 2020, the number two broker in New York City. So if you're into that kind of thing, you know, call Stan because you want one answer. Do you know someone in New York City who can help me buy an apartment or sell an apartment? And I want that person to say, yeah, I know a great guy. His name is Stan. I can get him on the phone right now and he'll talk to you. That's the goal. And these five steps that I put together are all about that goal. But it starts with really being honest about who's a buddy and who's someone who can broaden that circle of influence.
1: Yeah, well, you guys should definitely go go check it out. He's got five steps on there, starting with making an honest assessment with that center of influence, and then kind of going through these different ways of, of again filtering it, trying to do the outreach. And uh, I I also like five that five ex- a
0: day, five a day. You got to pick up the phone, text, or email five people you know every single day with something interesting to say. Right. So in the morning. I read all the blogs. I read the New York Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. I read everything I can consume. And I build a small list of five people. So if I read about an apartment selling upstairs from my client that I sold an apartment to two years ago, I write down. Because then I'll call that client later in the day or text or email, whatever is the way they like to communicate. Say, hey, I noticed that apartment two floors upstairs just went on the market for $7 million. Great that we got you in at four and a half. Have a great day. That's it. In and out, right? Yeah. But that, that person knows I'm alive. They know I exist. And that person sometimes happens to call and says, you know what, Stan? We were thinking about selling. Why don't we, why don't we sit down and talk about it? If you do five a day, it's hard to do. 150 a month, right? do the math. There's a lot of contacts. This will be a huge piece of business. You either run five miles a day or you don't. And you know the difference between people who run five miles a day and those who don't? Yeah. They run five miles a day.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's the only
0: difference. You either do it or you don't. You either call five people a day or you don't. But if you do, you'll make more money.
1: Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Mucistegi with a quick commercial break. Now, you've been listening, you've been waiting, and now the big rent ready mystery can be revealed. Rent ready just launched rental property accounting for landlords. It's so new, I haven't even got a chance to check it out yet. Now, you can easily connect your rental properties from rent ready to an accounting software created specifically for landlords with rent ready's newest partner, REI Hub. Now, I've used a lot of payment processing systems in the past, and it's always been a challenge even asking them to generate APIs so it can talk to our existing systems. And there really be any type of software that collects payments doesn't make it very easily to do that. But now with RentReady, you can automatically transfer properties and charges from your RentReady profile. You can track your income and expenses with matching rules and payment templates to speed up your bookkeeping. View your profit and loss or cash flow by property or unit. Get your portfolio's balance sheets, schedule ease, and more guys we're so excited about this and here's something even more exciting as always with rockstars you get a special special opportunity if you're not currently using rent ready you can sign up using our special code rockstar50 and get 50 percent off your rent ready subscription once you set up your properties you can add rental property accounting as a premium feature if you're currently using rent ready go check out the new accounting features designed to save you time and money while you manage your business and remember it's rent ready with an i at the end r-e-n-t-r-e-d-i Dot com. Thanks for listening. Go check them out. The I love that it, it it adds up as you're doing the outreach and I love too that the the concept of that is your whole goal as you're having those conversations is, is if somebody asks them, hey, do you know a broker in New York City? They go, have oh, fun. yes, actually, I do. Actually, he actually called me a week ago and I can I can talk. I can have you talk to him right That's now because then it gets to they get to feel like they're being of service, too. It's really just and, and it's
0: a multiplier. It's a multiplier effect, right? And one of the big things in, in the company I work for now, right, we've got offices all over the world. My goal is in every one of those offices, if someone's in an office meeting, says, does anyone know anyone in New York? At least two people will raise their hand and say, yeah, I know this guy. Now, someone else may raise their hand and say, I know this person too, but that's okay. The pie is big enough. It's a whole world worth of real estate. But I at least want to get a chance with that client if I can get it.
1: Yeah. So, do you do any outbound marketing? So, I'm trying to just get new clients. Yeah, not a lot. My,
0: I see outbound marketing, to be honest with you, as branding and client uh, appreciation. <laughs> the number of times that I've had a full page ad in Architectural Digest for a $24 million townhouse that I sold to the house from that ad is a total of zero. right? Just ne- it's just never happened. Never happened to me. See, I didn't get that invisible plane, right? So the invisible plane comes, you sell it from the ad. But my client's happy to see their house in Architectural Digest. And everyone that reads that Architectural Digest that knows me is like, wow, look what Stan's doing. And that branding gets built. So I don't even think of it necessarily as outbound marketing. I, feel, I think of it as brand management and client appreciation.
1: Yeah. The client appreciation is true. Every no matter who they are, everybody loves seeing their listing out oh, their their property. Sure. And they love seeing better pictures of it that are even like and sometimes you're like, wow, this looks even better on the photo than it looks in person.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: When we when we were selling our ranch out in California, the pictures that got put on the listing were definitely something that like looking like I'm way, I'm way more proud of some of the listing pictures on the property that got sold than even some of the pictures when I was there because the pictures do. Yeah. So I think, I think you're right. It's that client appreciation. So the, do you have any, so when it comes to leads, A lot of our questions we ask people is like, what's your source of leads for listings? What's your source of leads for buying? I'm assuming that's just around kind of your center of influence of getting those referrals in, right?
0: It is. It is. For me, it's 70%
1: is broker to
0: broker referral. So that's a very high number compared to other other people, but that's the business I created. You know, I'm the guy that drives out to Long Island to go to an office meeting. At one of our offices on Long Island, I'm the guy that goes on vacation and goes and sees 12 properties in Turks and Caicos with the brokers there, who now are my personal real friends, right? I mean, I just saw this uh, business as as a people business because I got the business. The, The business part to me was the part I got. Because I was brought up in a family of business owners, you know, we sat around the table. You know, how many microwaves did we sell today? Because we had apply- appliance stores. So I was brought up with you know numbers and units sold and how to sell. Um, what attracted me more was the individual. This what we're doing, mm-hmm. this talking, this starting, you know, I'm going to leave and I'm going to kind of know Aaron now and, right. I'll, you know, I'll think of you and I'll maybe ping you with something and, you know, hopefully you'll think of me and ping me with something and put me together with somebody. That's life, you know, I mean, we are who we choose to be with, right? It's our choice to build our life, the fabric of our life. What does it look like? What's, the, what's on our body? What's in our world? If it's not something that makes you happy, don't have it. Remove it from your world. We create our world and everything in it. And, you know, for me, that's surrounding myself with really cool, interesting, smart, loving, caring, happy people. And the other people, if I have to sell their house, I'll get through it. Um, yep. But <laughs> I try not to attract them. I try to attract the other group.
1: Yeah, I can see and feel how genuine you are and how genuine you are with kind of with with people and with these relationships and saying, no, the relationship's important to me. If I'm going to go out and go to that listing, it's creating this real stuff. It's, is it even possible to have a a CRM or a technology or a system or an actionable trick to help show client, if most of your stuff is client appreciation and most of it is hardworking, outbound dialing, reminding people. And I love that. Is there any trick to showing the client appreciation that you use? I went to an event. The, it was a, a front row event, met several people that were like high-end people in their businesses all over the place. And all of us were like, I can't wait till we see your talk again. And we exchange right. numbers and social media and all that. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. it's easy to forget. Like yeah. if I'm going to that city, I'll probably remember those guys, you know, that, that were these or whatever. But what, do you have a process or any thinking behind that?
0: Yeah, you know, I go to a lot, I sit in on a lot of good CRM classes, and I've had a lot of people pitch me on their latest app that does it all better. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot I could improve about my business model. And I imagine that a digitized client relation management system would help. I think I have uh, used my resources and time on public relations. So I have you know, a private public relations person, a private social media uh, team, and the assistants that are full-time that help me to communicate and stay in touch. I also created a referral network at a website called Our Trusted network.com, uh, which is website uh, which is brokers and all these markets. So those people I sit in the front row in Dallas with, we add them to the website and we have meetings and we have uh, in-person meetings and Zoom meetings. So I think I, 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 because of the way my brain works, I have gone top down, not granular up. But someday I'll stop the wagons for a few minutes, maybe as a result of this conversation, say, you know what, where is that CRM? Where? Why aren't I sending a direct email to that person? Uh, I, I am in some ways, we use this uh uh, a company called Active Pipe, right? So the I think we've got 45,000 uh, people in my database. So all those people are hearing from me, right? Once every 60 days, 45 days with either some new listing or something fun. I, I do a holiday sing-along, literally, where I'm singing in front of my piano. We invite people to that, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I, no one has gotten me to do the CRM and I don't know if it's their fault or my fault probably my fault. So thank you, Aaron. I will add it to my list yes. was my
1: pen. If, if you a pen? find <laughs> a way, so yeah. I want to continue to build authentic relationships with people that I have these yeah. experiences with. I don't want to forget them. And I've got a group of guys that I see a few times a year. And each time I do, I'm like, why don't I talk to these guys more often? Why do yeah. I, why do I kind of forget they're in my network until I receive yeah. them? And the brain gets busy, and so I love what you, I love what you're doing, and I'm just and it'd be great great if there's a way to, to remember to do stuff like that. Maybe there's maybe somebody's gonna send an email to both of us after this. Yep, and say, there is will. a way to do. Because there it. are
0: systems that do it. I mean, they can you know my phone can be bleeping right now saying, "Hey, call Aaron. You were on his podcast sixty days ago." You know, it does that. I just never did it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it does, it not, does yeah. do one thing. If I hang up a call and say I'll call you back, it reminds me in an hour. Like, hey, did you call that person back? So maybe the the technology is there. All right, I want to finish with this. Dan, I went to your website. Yeah, yeah. the you have this crazy listing on there. Yeah. Two Park Place, Pinnacle Penthouse, New York, New yeah. York. Yeah, it yeah. is the top of this tower. I'm looking at these pictures. Of these yeah. giant vaulted ceilings and yeah. archways, and it's like a James Bond, Batman type scenario. Tell tell me about this thing. How did how did you get the listing on this? Yeah. What is? Uh, I mean, it's a seventy nine million dollar, ten thousand square foot deal, and it looks just like from another world. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is the Woolworth Tower Residences. And this is the Woolworth Tower in New York City. Remember the Five and Die? Remember Woolworth stores? Yeah. Does that ring a bell at all? So Frank Woolworth built this tower. And it was the tallest building in the world in 1913. And about 10 years ago, a developer bought uh, the top of the building, the 29th through the 58th floors, and created about a half a billion dollar sellout, 32 apartments. Well, I, along with my uh, co-director of sales, Josh Judge, good friend of mine, uh, got the exclusive. So I have sold 30 other apartments in this building, and now there's two left. A pavilion penthouse on the 29th floor for 23 million, but then the crown of the building. So if anyone goes on standponder.com, it's fun just to look at it. It's literally a castle on top of a skyscraper, right? It's a castle. And you live in this space. And at the very top of it, there's a 360-degree observatory terrace, which is the same terrace. Have you ever been to the, the Empire State Building or to One World Trade where you go to the highest building and take a picture? Yeah. People used to do that from all over the world, but they came to the Woolworth Tower. And that observatory is now private to this pinnacle owner. So we are actually in active negotiations as of this date. It's actually a little less active this week, but you know, you got to let negotiations ebb and flow, but we're working on it. We're working on a deal for that apartment. It's one of, uh, listen, one of the advantages doing this job, especially with a company that's got offices all over the world is I've stood in these apartments in Hong Kong and in London and in India and it's all over the world. There's no apartment like this Anywhere in the world. So I uh, look forward to seeing who's going to buy it. Yeah, the best part sh- to close up on it is we didn't finish it out. It's a white box. What you're looking at there are renderings by Thierry Despont and by David Hotson. One classic look and one super future uh, look. So we didn't build it. This is white box. You bring your architectural team with you and you customize it.
1: You just get you just get that top tower yeah, yeah. area to have the yeah. best. Doing it with some of the best views in New York. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. I've been in real estate for a long time. I've seen. I like to say I've been involved in every type of deal, or I've seen every type of deal. And this stuff is some next level uh, excitement stuff. But the, but like I started the show with the question of how do you get stuff like that, right? And part of it is working hard at 22 years of experience, but we got to dissect during this call that there was a lot more to it. There were just so many steps to it. There was so many. It wasn't just putting in your 22 years. It was about taking every opportunity you could when you took it. It's about putting a suit on a credit card in order to have a good experience. You know, experience. Yeah. So many suits
0: are expensive. I had no idea. <laughs>
1: I I remember buying one for the first time yeah. I had to go to something too. And yeah. it was like, I was so excited and nervous all at the same time yeah. and uh, yeah. betting on using that, that kind of giftology at the very beginning too. And then when you have your moment, go all out, yeah. like do whatever you can to present the moment. And then when you get the moment, you didn't, you were like, you, you didn't say, sorry, I can't get your car. Right. You're like, I'll get you the car, I'll get you the suit. And then it leads to just like everything else you did in business. Dan. Stan, people are going to want to reach out to you. They're going to want to ask more questions. They're going to, after they download your toolbox item, they're going to want some follow-up. What is the best place for people to reach you?
0: My cell phone is the best way to reach me. You can just text me 646-489-3066. 646-489-3066. Always happy to talk. If I can't talk, I'll tell you, I can't. If you're coming to New York City and you want to treat me to breakfast. I'm a good breakfaster. I uh, yeah. meet a lot of new brokers, especially people coming into the business. I kind of love that. You know, this conversation we had a little bit reminded me of some of the conversations I've had with people who are like, how did you start, right? Because mm-hmm. they people don't know what to do. You show up with this real estate license. How do you put one foot in front of the other? So I, I don't know. I get two calls. I will meet with two people. If I get more, I saw that you have a lot of people that watch your show. So yeah. I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. But if I can help, I will. Uh, and more importantly, of course, if you're buying or selling or leasing New York City real estate, then I will really pick up the phone.
1: Yeah. The and last very New York yeah. City real estate is it back? Is Woo. price is oh, pricing my, back? Yeah. Is it better than it was a year or two ago? Is, is yeah. it demand high?
0: You know what demand is. Cr- Crazy high. So try this one on. Third quarter, 2021, right? We just finished third quarter. More transactions than any time in the previous 32 years. Wow. But here's the caveat. We had so much inventory, pricing is still flat. So we have not really fully recovered yet from uh, COVID. And right before COVID, I don't want to go over. but right before Covid, New York City put a mansion tax in place, which poured some cold water over New York City real estate. They did a graduating tax. It used to be a one percent flat tax on all property over one million. And then they put a graduating tax in. So we would did great guns right before that tax was put in, which was July, which was June thirtieth of two thousand and nineteen. Then from June thirtieth, two thousand and nineteen through Covid, We were kind of looking for the buyers, but they'd all bought before that mansion tax, right? So we were kind of in trouble and then COVID hit. So we are uh, getting out of the inventory problem, not just the published inventory, but the shadow inventory, all that construction that happened, developers holding back dozens or hundreds of units. Those are all getting absorbed as we speak. So New York City, as we sit here today, it's probably one of the best deals in the country because other cities saw prices go up. I mean, how many articles have we all read? People buy bigger houses, they buy secondary houses. There are towns that weren't selling houses for years that all of a sudden property uh, values went up 10%, 20%, 30%. New York City is really the only major city in the United States that although we're busy, prices have not yet caught up with the activity. They will though. Um, and my expectation is they will pretty quick. So it's a great time to buy in the city. Um, and we're all looking forward to Christmas vacation.
1: Yeah. And that break and fascinating timing on increasing the mansion tax. The, uh, you know, New York has had a whole bunch of things that experiences have hit extra hard. When you think about, yeah. think about September 11th, think about the market crashing in 08, 09. the, uh, Ooh. you know, next time I get you on, we'll do some state of the market news. We'll look at a lot of that. Maybe we'll get to go into so many of the ups and downs. Stan, It was a pleasure to get to know you today. So much fun to get to hear you. Thanks for coming on the show and Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks for listening.
0: Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks a lot.
1: All right, Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I wanna make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybinddigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchasteggi.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.